Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right. My name is Levi Russell, and today Isaac and I are going to be discussing uh, humility and what humility should look like for men, and then maybe how men take it too far in one direction or the other. In, in other words, they're, they sort of have a false humility that goes uh, too extreme um, in, in any different direction. Um, and I'm certainly not an expert on this, and, and Isaac is our theologian, so uh, he's going he's gonna to kind of help me understand this and hopefully help you understand it. So Isaac, uh, how would you define humility in, in the sense that it's supposed to manifest itself in, in a man's life? I think humility of above all isn't forced. It's if you look in the Beatitudes, one of the things it says in there is it says, "Blessed are the meek," and the meek are that word meek really means power under control. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean someone who is self-deprecating constantly. It doesn't mean someone who is constantly um, stumbling over themselves. Obviously, someone who doesn't it's, they're not someone who makes a mistake, who constantly apologizes for not being good enough or strong enough or whatnot. It's someone who uh, recognizes sort of the the weight of glory that they carry in in their various roles as a as a professional, as a father, as a as a husband, because in some ways to self deprecate would be to diminish the glory that you represent and to and to in other words to deny credit, do credit to other people because you you're not secure enough to carry that weight, and so I think the what we what we see is sort of the homerization in pop culture, which where you see these sitcoms where nearly every dad in the past like thirty years of sitcoms is a, a bumbling idiot who is either over er, over arrogant or or a combined version of like over arrogant, stupid or um, or just makes dumb mistakes and he's only saved by the by this like you know wonderful woman who he doesn't deserve and that sort of thing and and that's that's very distorted. That's just not a that's not a good way, a good, definitely not a good role model for, for men, for men to have around. Well, I think it's good that you put it that way because Levi and I just had a discussion uh, recently about the homerification of dads. And it was more, more discussion about uh, the media and um, Hollywood and, and more, more centered on the idea that, that all these guys are just stupid, either stupid or they don't care. So I think it's, it's good that, um, you know, maybe we're getting a slightly different angle on that same phenomenon. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, the sort of the biblical concept of patriarchy, I, I think that also gets sort of distorted, obviously, because the world doesn't like the concept. Um, they're going to distort it. But I think also there's a tendency to be too, uh, where the idea of a guy that sort of goes with the flow and he's easygoing, that's what humble is. And that's, and that's nonsense. What, what, what the sort of the biblical pattern for patriarchy and, and the, the historical pattern and the, and the um, what, what's always been taught is that it's a man's job to not only be, you know, head of house, but that, but what that means is, is important. What it means is he's not only the sort of the guy that sets the frame and, and is, and, and sort of has veto authority over, over things, but he's also the primary parent. He's responsible for everything that goes on underneath his household. And you can't be easygoing with that because if you don't, uh, you know, if, if there's no one who, to whom, at whom the buck stops, then, then things will constantly be less in control 
than they should be. And, and you, I mean, if you go into someone's house, you can usually tell, and not that everyone keeps like a perfect house, you know, but, but if, if things are always disheveled, if nothing's ever in order, if, if nothing is ever on time, everyone's always late, that's the man's fault, ultimately. Now, he may, be, he may need to say, hey, hey, hon, I really need some help with this. Can, can you help me by doing this? He may need to sort of uh, ask for assistance in his own way. Um, but he, but ultimately he, he needs to have this knowledge in his head that he's responsible. And, and that's sort of in the biblical tradition, um, when women made vows in the, in under old covenant, uh, whoever they were responsible, the person who was responsible over them, meaning their father, if they were still in their father's house or, or their husband had a, had the opportunity of vetoing that vow. And that's, and that's not, that doesn't infant infantilized women. It's, it's more just a, a statement of, well, in this household, in this structure, who this person is ultimately responsible. And so that head of house, you know, that role, that role carries a lot of glory and a lot of responsibility. And it's true that many men don't live up to that, but, but that is what we're supposed to aspire to. And that, and that doesn't mean you're a tyrant. That doesn't mean you, you, you dominate and rule by that. And in fact, that wouldn't be, that would be the opposite of sort of a meekness, a power under control, because you don't have to, assert yourself forcefully. You don't have to make demands or, or have this environment of fear because people want to follow you. They, people want to follow a good leader. And it's, it kind of makes me think of the, the business world a little bit and how, you know, we, we, we think of a, you know, a medium size to a large company is always going to have a CEO. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's not that there's a CEO, uh, with a whole crew of people, you know, it's not the, the, the five people make up the office of the CEO. It's that one person who's ultimately responsible. And so, you know, they might have people in upper management, above, you know, below them to some extent, but they're always going to be below them. That person, like you said, the buck stops with them. And so I think it's just kind of interesting how like even in the business world, as much as, you know, the society we're in has devalued this, you know, fatherhood role as sort of the buck stops here kind of thing. We still see it in other places. And even though people might not think about it that way, the CEO is kind of a mirror of that in, in the business world. So uh, I want to see where you think we can take this next. So if we're talking about humility and meek and meekness being sort of power under control and, and being able to, um, you know, exercise power and, and authority correctly. So then how does this go off the rails? What's, what's one of the ways this can go wrong? Well, I think it's when, when men um, don't sort of take seriously that I mentioned that how, how women had sort of an out where somewhat, if there was a man that was sort of an authority over them, he could veto some rash words that they said that some vow they made, but there was no such sort of out for a man. He, he's held to every single word. And so, and that, that's, that's something you have to really meditate on and chew on that you have to be able to speak authoritatively and then stand by those words. And if, and if you're wrong, you know, take the consequences. And so, and I think a lot of men are, um, we're sort of trained to be ambiguous, even in society and not to just say, Hey, this is how it is. And if you're wrong, Hey, wow, I'm, I'm wrong. Thank you for correcting me. Because there's this sort of latent insecurity uh, that 
not only leads us to to not admit when we're wrong, but also to kind of hedge our bets constantly. And and it goes awry when you've got men who don't belong in these powers of these positions of authority, because you know you let them into these positions because they're woke or they're nice or they're they they're male feminists or whatnot. And we and you know I think I think the last year or two has demonstrated that a male feminist is sort of like a it's like a subversive way to try to be a real man in a sense that it, that a real a real man actually is just someone who stands upon his words and uh, takes the consequences of his actions and is willing to take those risks uh, that that come with leading and not only that but also someone who can who takes who receives feedback properly who can actually listen to people and understand them and, and take in their input and then sort of see it from the strategic view and then make the decision based on that. So it seems like what you're saying is there's sort of this direction that people take this and they say, you know, that they're not going to worry about, um, they're not going to worry about uh, the um, being responsible and things like that. And so it, it causes them to either be sort of cowardly and just um, create ambiguity in everything they do and say, or it creates this uh, tendency for them to just double down whenever they're called out for being incorrect. And, and they're not, they're not, they don't have a commitment to the truth enough to say, yes, I was wrong. You know, I, I should, you know, think differently about this. Right. I, I'd say the, um, it's all, you can see this also in the story of Adam and Eve. I think, I think that's really the key story of the decline of civilization. Cause the first civilization obviously was, was the, the first man and woman. And what, it, what occurred is you had, a, you had a man who in an effort to sort of please and acquiesce to the woman, he sort of followed her lead and, and sort of, uh, and it sort of took her advice and, and didn't say, no, I, no, I know what the truth is. This, this isn't how it's supposed to work. And, uh, and and so Adam does this, and when uh, and I think we see in 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 the modern world when when men don't have that sort of authority, they're willing to just believe what they believe, do what's right regardless. I think they lose respect on, a, on sort of a subconscious level to, for, to everyone around them. I think women are actually like very they're incredibly clever at recognizing when men are not men of their word. I think that's one thing that they're actually very good, very, very incredible at just intuiting about a man that's around them. I think, um, I think that pattern though, that where, where men are not capable of um, not only be having the commitment to the truth, but also doing the hard work to get there. And also, uh, I mean, taking the risk. Cause when you take responsibility for something, you're, you're, you know, it's you, it's on you if it fails. And, and there, there isn't a whole lot of risk-taking going on in, in, in environments where, um, where there isn't this strong masculine drive. Well, I, th I think that's kind of interesting because that, you know, especially talking about uh, women and their ability to sort of uh, detect this, um, this ability to uh, seek the truth and things like that. Because, of course, I mean, you know, I'm, in my own experience, I, I know – I've known a lot of people who would would balk at you know sort of a very um, uh, unequivocal statement of truth, even if it was a woman hearing that from a man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's I think I think maybe I don't tell me if you think this fits. It seems like that detection is 
is very um, covert these days because the cool thing is for everyone to sort of just, uh, you know, be post-truth and not really care about objective reality, right? And, and, and to, to hate the concept of, um, you know, standing firm on one point of view. Um, but then it, it almost seems like they, you know, women find other ways to try to uh, sort of maybe even subconsciously on their own, you know, they don't even know what's going on, but they're, they're mm-hmm. sort of actually looking for that same commitment to truth somewhere, even if explicitly they're saying it's a bad thing. I think a lot of people are caught up in the societal obsession with, with perception because there's a lot of power in using the per- someone's perception against them. And that's the whole, I mean, that's the whole drive for a lot of this sort of like woke stuff is that, Oh, nope, that's, that's a bad look. You sure you want to say that? You, you know, even if it's true, that's, that's not a commitment to the truth. That's, that's worrying about how popular you are or how much, how, how much people are going to like you. And, and I think women are very, very capable at detecting they detect confidence often is what, is what they're really sensing. And it's, and it's intuitive. I think, I, I think a man who, 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 I think it's incomplete for a man to only be able to sort of use his brain. I think that's when you, when you start, talk about like Spurgs or people who, you know, have this sort of a overly autistic way of sort of analyzing things. They don't have a way of just looking at a situation and then from, and in an instant developing a sense of what's going on or what's happening. That's sort of the instinctive thing where that men, men sort of have to develop that. And for the most part, whereas women sort of, they naturally move into that sort of operation and perhaps, um, you know, not that women aren't reasonable entirely, but, but that's not necessarily there, you know, on, on, on a whole, it's not where they start typically. And, and our instincts are actually pretty reliable if they're trained properly. And so, you know, this, this whole uh, way that men are analytical, um, we tend to not see things, we just don't see things the same way. They're looking at a totally different picture than we are. But what they're seeing is something that's real. It's, it's a confidence in the statement. And even when women overtly dislike a man, they're, they're attracted and not, not necessarily, I'm not even talking about like necessarily in a, in a romantic or sexual way, although that, there can be components of that. I'm saying that they're attracted to like this, um, this sort of strength where you just don't bend. Like you, this is, hey, no, this is what it is, and that's that's where I'm going to be. Right. Well, so what is another way that you think um, men can take this concept of humility too far or uh, or perverted in some way? I think we just, I think we do things that, that make us weaker. Like I, I hate to use a phrase from Jordan B. Peterson, but but I think. I think that the truth is that we do a lot of things that make us weaker intellectually, physically, and morally. We make, we make excuses. We, we don't, you know, we're not willing to just go out there and say something, even if it might be wrong, because you're going to be wrong a lot. You're going to get punched in the face when you're wrong and people are going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to be unpopular if you say things that are, you know, against sort of the, the, cur- the current of culture. But being willing to just stand up to that and say, no, I mean, Hey, if, if you want to explain to me why I'll listen, but otherwise, you know, I don't care. I'm standing right here. And, and that, that, ex, that exercise, that just being able to do that on a regular basis um, and, and recognizing that dichotomy of uh, will being willing to stand out and, just, and say stuff, but not, but still being able to actually interact with people as human beings and, 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 and say, oh, I see what you're saying there and, and being able to actually engage on it but also not being swayed by every wind or and every, and every social pressure that comes along. 
Right. So it's, so it's sort of confusing humility for weakness itself. Right. I'd say so. Yeah. So it's just, it's just this idea that if, if you are weak, then, uh, you know, a nice veneer to put on that weakness is to say it's actually a virtue, which is, you know, humility. Right. It's this this elevation of sentimentality and, and that's, and that's a totally disordered way of seeing things. And, you know, I mean, in Jesus, I think we see the ultimate in the Lord Jesus. I see we, I think we see the ultimate in the dichotomy of it because you've got what's often emphasized is his sort of his ultimate self-sacrifice. And that often doesn't, that doesn't look to the end and it doesn't look to the, to the prophecies that show him coming with a sword and a garment dipped in blood. So he came in humility yet with directness because he, he, he went up to people and said, you know, you brood of vipers. When John the Baptist went up to them, he, he said, how do you hope to, ex- to escape the damnation of hell? So with this directness, with this willingness to say, to directly offend someone, if it meant saying the truth, um, that was never gone. But in, his, in that moment, what was emphasized was that was his self-sacrifice, his sacrifice on our behalf to fulfill, um, as he said, fulfill all righteousness and to fulfill the law and to, and to be sort of the centerpiece of history. But in the end, when he comes back, he, he comes riding a white horse and in great glory. And so it's, and so it's that dichotomy. And as, as a man and sort of, you know, carrying the glory of God on your head, as, as Paul says, you, you, we have to recognize how, how high of a calling that is and, and, and recognize that every single day is a day that you try to get better, that you find a way to, to, to sort of crush weakness because weakness is not, weakness is not a virtue. Humility and, and, and kindness and caring for the weak, that is a virtue. But weakness itself is, is, a, is, is a grave weakness, is a grave sin, you know, to, right. to, actually, to actually allow it to exist and not to, to seek to end it. So it's kind of, it kind of fits in with sort of a sloth thing. Like even if you have a weakness, that doesn't mean you should just let it, let it be. You should find ways to, um, to mitigate the weakness or to, get, or to become stronger, I guess, really. Right. And, and if someone's using the phrase, oh, I had to do a lot of adulting today, you know, like yeah. give, them a, give them a slap across the face. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not, not really, not really, but, but recognize what that person is sort of, you know, that sort of person is sort of diminishing themselves right. and, you know, well, the, the way that they could improve as a person by, by saying silly stuff like that. So what, what, what final thoughts would you have on this? Is that, is that pretty much where you want to be, where you want to end up? Or, or is there more, uh, you know, a final thought we should put on this? Biblical humility is strength. It's, it's strength under proper control and proper and improper order. It's not just blind strength where you, where you're angry and insecure and everything, but it is, it is something that is both fearful and warm. It, it, it has both of those elements as a good father does. Right. Well, I, I think that sounds great. And I, I, I appreciate it. I think, you know, it gives me a lot to think about and hopefully, uh, hopefully our listeners uh, will think about this as well. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.